This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Geekscapists, I got another surprise for you this week. This is another episode of our uh, Geekscape hang session with one of you from the Geekscape community. Uh, if you search on the feed about two weeks, you'll see that we hung out with Frank Sanders, who was Sandstone on the original Geekscape forums. And this is a little um, extra special Geekscape thing that I've added to the feed. Whenever I come into contact with any of you Geekscapists, uh, I sit down, I throw up the podcast feed, and I get to know you guys in the hopes that the bigger Geekscape community will get to know you uh, beyond just what we get from you guys hanging out on the forums years ago and then hanging out on the Geekscape Forever page on Facebook now. So Geekscapists, this is your chance to get to know each other. And this week, we have someone who I just met today in person, but I have known him for over a decade you would know him as Satori from the forums, and Satori from, I guess, Geekscape Forever. But welcome to the show. Welcome to Geekscape. Thanks so much. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, earlier tonight I was coming back. I uh, substitute taught at the college today, and I was leaving, and I told you where to meet, and I pulled up to the coffee bean in my car, and you threw your bag in the car, um, so we can hang out right now, and you said, "Man, this is surreal." <laughs> <laughs> and I and I didn't I didn't pay much attention to it then, um, but was it surreal? Like after listening to my voice for eleven, twelve years, like actually meeting me in the, for the first time. Well, I, I think it was beyond just like it was beyond listening to. It was it was I mean because we saw you for years on the video version, and then have seen you on various YouTube videos and. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's it's weird when this guy that I've only seen on the other side of my computer monitor is is, is sitting in a car, sure. telling me, "Get in! <laughs> if Get you in. want to live, come with me. Come with me if you want to live." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but we went to dinner. Everything's good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so far, it's a good date. Yeah. Um, 
so tell me, like, like, how did you first, you first started listening to Geek Drone before Geekscape, right? Yeah, yeah. And how, how did you discover that, through, like, the Rev3 thing, or through, or, like, you just, were you a podcast listener? So, that was the thing, I was just, I started getting into podcasts, and, um, and I think you guys were the, if not the first, one of the first, like, one of the first three, I'm going to say. Sure. And um, I think it was just after you'd done the Kevin Smith one. Mm-hmm. And and I basically just I was over the moon with that first one, and I just took it to everybody I knew. And you've got to listen to this. You've got to listen oh, to cool. this. Oh, cool! Yeah, it was it was great, and um, and so I was I was kind of hooked from that point on. And it was just really nobody else was doing anything like that that I had heard. I don't know what the hell we were doing. <laughs> I honestly didn't know what we were doing, and I still don't kind of know what you're saying. Okay, but it was, is it just like the fact that we aren't professionals? Yeah, it was like it was like gorilla. Like you're hanging out with them. Yeah, it was like gorilla interviews. Like you, you know. <laughs> so years ago, I read this book by this this rock and roll journalist that was talking about the fact that it's re- it's weird when you're when you're in that space that you start getting raised to the level of of the people that you're interviewing. Sure, I can see that, especially with like something like Rolling Stone, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that the journalists become the celebrities yeah. that they're covering, right? So when, but but that's almost the the place that they start out at. The way you're because you're picking up Rolling Stone, which is right. already famous. Right. Well, now you've got podcasts, which is I mean, it's part of the beauty of the internet. And this is again years ago when you first started out. Mm-hmm. But part of the beauty of the internet was that it was handing this power to to the individuals. And so you took this thing, the the two of you took this thing, mm-hmm. and you you had somebody that in my, in my mind was this this sort of rock and roll god, and and here he is with with film, and and he's doing these great things, and you're interviewing him, and you're real people. But at the time, I think both of you were working in in um, in the industry as well, right. sort of coming up, rising up, and so it wasn't that you were coming out of nowhere. You weren't the every, you weren't completely the everyman, but you were you were close enough to the everyman that we could all sort of reach in and sort of connect with with who you and, and Danny were. So it made a lot of sense to me. So st- still kind of the everyman, probably. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I mean, I, I not not quite as much. I mean, but then again, I've also had online conversations with you, so mm-hmm. I personally still. Feel connected to you, but I think you, you you speak to you speak to everybody as the everyman. You're not you're not throwing a lot of jargon at people. You're sort of, I'm not that smart. I don't know. Oh, it. sure, yeah. I don't know it. Sure, you are. Um, so where do you come from, Satori? <laughs> I mean, uh, oh, we can say. I mean, your name is Phil. Yeah, yeah. But my Phil. <laughs> that is as far as we. I mean, you're you're very private. You're a fairly private person. Yeah. Like you won't you don't put up too many. Uh, at least on like Facebook and like the old forums and stuff, you don't put up too many like avatars of yourself. It's usually that little puppet thing that you put up. Yeah, flat Eric. Flat Eric. Like yeah. it's usually that. Um, what is that about? Like, like you just like your. I mean, privacy. As, yeah. Well, as much as you love the internet, I feel like there's this level of. Um, yeah, like you can't just throw yourself wholeheartedly into it. You're still there's some trepidation. Right. So, I mean, I think that came from years ago. I you know, started out as uh, working as an ISP on tech support, and it was very key that you do not let people know who you are. You always have a level of anonymity between you and those you're discussing this stuff with. Now, it was very different then. And I fucked that up really badly. Oh, this, was, this was pre-Facebook, right? Right. Yeah. And, and, and I guess... Uh, yeah, MySpace was was still a thing at that point, right? Sure. And uh, in fact, I think it was just starting out. But but 
yeah, it's it's just like you, you sort of keep a step away from everybody. And I've sort of held that, especially because I, I had a child and I didn't want any of that stuff to sort of have any blowback. But my child's sort of pretty much grown now. And sure. I don't, I'm not as concerned with that stuff anymore. Your kid was two or three when I started this. Yeah, and now so. he's 14. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's amazing. And um, you're from Toronto? Yeah, from Toronto. Uh, not born. So I was born in the UK, moved to Canada. Uh, well, how old were you when you moved to Canada? Uh, seven. Okay. So for the most part, you're Canadian. Yeah, but my relatives are all there. I, I, I didn't feel Canadian until I think I was around 14, 15. Uh-huh. And even then, it was sort of like slowly like... Uh, yeah, I, what was, I was, it? What was it? Do you have like a level of kinship with British culture, or like what is it? Because you, are you a Doctor Who fan and like yeah, all that stuff? Yeah, like, yeah. So do you feel like a level of ownership over like British culture or uh, pop culture? I think so, and I mean like Judge Dredd's a big thing with me, and and 2000 AD, like mm-hmm. 2000 AD was, ch- I mean to me changed everything. Love it. I and, love 2000 AD. Yeah, like Helen, Helen's. Um, uh, doc on that was just fantastic. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what was the name of that documentary on 2000 AD? Uh, it was Fu- Future re- Shock. Future Shock. It was a really good documentary. Uh, if you guys are trying to uh, figure out what we're talking about, it's 2000 AD. Is that publication in Britain that a lot of great comic creators that you may be familiar with from working for Marvel and DC, like people like Grant Morrison and Garth Ennis, Alan uh, Moore, Alan Moore, like they all came out of 2000 AD. So. Uh, it's worth checking out, but it's also where Judge Dredd came from. I always thought like Slane would be a really cool, yeah. like weird Conan, Incredible Hulk type thing because he had that power of like being a barbarian, and then when he hit a certain level, he turns into this weird monster. <laughs> um, just really cool, cool comics. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you love that kind of stuff. Uh, you're growing up in Toronto, with siblings. Yeah, uh, brother who, who I mean, he was heavily, and he influenced me on, on the sci-fi. He was heavily into sort of Arthur C. Clarke and Isaac Asimov. And I mean, he he read a whole lot of that. I mean, I, I, read, I read a lot of it too, but I think I, my stuff was more bubblegum up until I was around 13, 14. And then I started sort of getting into some of the more hardcore stuff. Like William Gibson was, was sort of coming out at that point. So all like the cyberpunk types. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah, but I mean, like, I, I also picked up um, is the William, Asimos. So. Yeah, I mean, is William Gibson, that's like, he's like one of the grandfathers of the whole cyberpunk yeah. idea and movement. Like, yeah. what are some of the books that, and stories that were made him famous? So Neuromancer, sure. uh, Mona Lisa Overdrive, uh, Burning Chrome. Burning Chrome sort of like a collection of short stories that were put out in various magazines. But, but uh, I, I think that's a good gateway drug if anybody wants to like, get into sort of the early stuff. I was but, thinking about you when I did the episode this week because I mentioned Shadowrun. Yeah. And I was like, dude, that's total like William Gibson type stuff is like the Shadowrun series of RPGs and uh, they also had a couple of video games and things, but it's all that future tech yeah, kind of stuff. But it, I mean, that stuff sort of—I mean, more cartoonish and and, and kind of. I, I think that there's a lot of tongue in cheek with that, and, mm-hmm. and which is great. I mean, like sure. absolutely, play play with it. It's there's a, it's it's been so overdone, and the whole like leather jacket, black raincoat thing is yeah. is kind of. I have a screen on my arm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I'm gonna hack the system. Yeah, it's, that it's, sort of thing. It's yeah. a little played out. Johnny Mnemonic kind of ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess Johnny Mnemonic was the commercialization of that entire movement. It had reached the point where you could now have like Keanu Reeves. 
I mean, that's Johnny Mnemonic's pure. Like that's pre Matrix. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the Matrix would have been like the post-apocalyptic version of that world where we've taken this symbiosis between man and machine, man and technology, but now it's an enslavement. You know, in the in the in the, in the Matrix, it's an enslavement, but it's not like Johnny Mnemonic. It's almost like this. This it's almost like they're used like a, like a tool, but it's integrated into their own being. Yeah. Uh, so there's like questions about identity and all sorts of things like that. Um, but I may, I'm giving Johnny Mnemonic way too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> but I can see how you m- might have embraced that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. And, and, and actually, sorry. One, one other thing that I want to throw in as well was Bruce Sterling, uh, um, uh, burning, burning, not burning, chrome. Sorry, uh, snow, snow Crash. Yeah. And they were going to make a film with that. And I think Joe, they're still trying to make yeah, a Snow Crash. Yeah, I really film. hope so. But Joe Cornish was attached mm-hmm. to it, and he's he's the the brilliance. I don't think it's dead. Well, I mean, it, we we it, love Joe Cornish because he made Attack the Block, and yes. I think that his and and Tintin. Yeah, his scripts, Tintin. his scripts with Tintin were awesome. I love that first Tintin movie that Spielberg managed to make. Uh, it was playing somewhere, and I saw it again, and I was just like, "Oh man, I really hope they get to the Peter Jackson one and get to finish this thing up because I liked it. I mean, I imagine it was expensive as hell with all that mocap, but it, I, th- I loved. The, I mean, Tintin was what I grew up on. Yeah. I, in the library it was. I would read Tintin, and Tintin was one of my early comics. Um, so uh, I really, ho- I would love to see more of those movies. I don't know if we're going to get them, but hopefully we get the, hopefully we get a snow crash. Yeah. I, I, well, you saying that that's that's good news to me. It's just that Joe Cornish isn't attached to it. I don't think it should still be at Paramount. Yeah. They should still be trying to make it. I mean, they're the ones who optioned it. It's so. just his his names. It, it used to be, his name used to be on it on IMDb, and it I don't think it is. I anymore. don't trust IMDb. Okay, because IMDb is like a Wikipedia. It can be edited by anybody. It, but uh, okay, so if you're actually in okay, and I could be wrong on this. I was told that if you're you're uh, you pay into it, and you're actually that IMDb person. Pro. Yeah, that that you're actually that person. You can you have um, the rights to kick off anything that anybody puts in there, and you can you can lock your own profile there. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, well, that's what I was told. So I had no idea. Um, okay, so you're getting into all that stuff. How, was high school tough? I mean, how, did you <laughs> did you do like the typical geek high school? And which isn't the typical geek high school anymore. Right. I'm learning. I'm learning that now being a geek in high school is cool. What the fuck? So, so I, I, I think I came up similar to you in that I got into sort of punk. But this is in the late 80s, This correct? is, like, this this is like, in the, this is actually, I'm a bit older than you, so this is... Um, like 84, 85, yeah, somewhere yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so got into, like, the Pistols, of course, but I mean, like, Dead Kennedys and Black Flag and stuff. And sure. Then, and then that morphed into other things, like, a, and I, so I, actually, I, I went from punk to goth, and then because because there was like this really great opening, uh, this one uh, bootleg that I had of some Zeppelin, I got into classic rock. So I kind of went, went into backwards. Yeah, yeah, you totally went backwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, but then I got back into, into. I mean, not that I ever left it, but I mean, I right. got back into punk, and and, um, and so that was around the same time that the whole um, grunge thing started up. And then, uh-huh. I mean, grunge was sort of university, and then that's. That kind of was, that was so you were in the university there uh, during the like when Singles was that movie that remember yeah. that movie Singles yeah with Matt Dillon and Bridget Fonda so it was that era yeah and you've got uh, I mean the obviously the big bands then were like Nirvana and all that but what were you reading because for comics the early nineties was kind of like a dark time that was the time when like 
everything had turned into a movie like Dick Tracy, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tim Burton's Batman, The Rocketeer, stuff like that. So so on on the screen it was doing pretty good. Indie comics were kind of have, doing their thing because Marvel and DC were just kind of finding their way again. So 2000 AD was still a thing. And 2000 AD, this is the point at which that, um, that, that if you think of Future Shock, they talk about that they actually tried to bring them over here. They, were, they tried to make inroads into the US. 2000 so they, AD did, yeah. Yeah. And so there's, like in the 90s, that's when all these, all, like the market started getting flooded with all the stuff from the 70s and 80s that they, because they got this massive. Uh, a block library of stuff that they can just. I guess like places like Dark Horse helped yeah. in that, you know. Yeah, and they could, sorry. No, no. Uh, there were a couple of indie publishers that started being able to cut their way into the dominance of Marvel and DC in the early nineties. Yeah, and it, it makes sense that that like that. I mean, clearly they cut themselves to a level of popularity where they could have made the Sylvester Stallone Judge Dredd movie, but that was like ninety four, ninety five that that movie came out. So yeah. you'd have to think that like. They found themselves at some level of popularity in the states, right? And and I mean, like it was definitely selling, but it wasn't selling enough to really make a difference. And I think people would pick it up and they'd look at it and they'd try and get into it. And I'd, I, because there wasn't persistent stories, they weren't they weren't putting the persistent stories. They don't think they understood what they had, so they they'd release the one offs, and they do lots of one offs. Right. So they do these one off. Sorry, and for people who don't know. Uh, in 2000 AD, you'd have like a five-page story each week. It wasn't it's like... It's an anthology, it. yeah. It's yeah. an anthology magazine. Yeah, and so you wouldn't get the the, the the 20 pages a month. You get five pages per week. And if they just made it like that, a single story, well, where does that take you? Like, Yeah, you yeah. had to subscribe every week because your story would only be five, six weeks long. Yeah. And you'd need to subscribe to get it. And, you know, yeah. Uh, it I like I like I'm like you. I like the 2000s when they get collected, because then you get you don't have to you don't have to deal with the bullshit characters. Yeah. Because sometimes there were some bullshit characters where you're like, hey, I just wanted to read this character, or these two. Is there's three others that are just kind of throwaways, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah was it hard, was it easy to find that stuff in in Canada growing up? So so growing up, absolutely not. And and that's the great thing with having relatives there is that my grandparents would just like buy them weekly and I get to go over there and then they'd have this big stack of them. In Toronto or in, in, in the in, UK? In so the I'd UK. go back to the UK and, and they'd have a big stack of them that they got from the news agent. Wow. And, and it was fantastic. So, so I'd spend like, you know, a couple of days in the UK just reading these comics. It's like, you came here to visit us. Maybe you could take a break from the uh, comics and hang out with your relatives. Back to comics. Yeah, like, exactly. Back to comics. Yep. But yeah. the other one, sorry, the other one was Toxic, which was also, I think it was a UK-based one uh-huh. that, was, that was big in, in the US. And that had Tank Girl and it had Martial oh. Law. Oh, wow. And, um, and Martial Law blew my mind. I mean, you talk about dark. That was super dark. Like a city of superheroes. And, and you know, the, uh, they'd have laws against superheroes having sex with normies because they kill the normie, right? Right. And so there's, like, martial law was going out and, pr- and, and coming down. He was the law. He was, like, the judge dread for superheroes. Oh, that's cool. I, I, I don't know martial law. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Tank Girl, we know that. And that ultimately became that Laurie Petty movie with Ice-T as a giant kangaroo. Yeah, yeah. But, um, <laughs> but martial law, I, never, I didn't know that one. Yeah. That sounds good. Yeah. It, it sounds it like was, a cool... It, it was great, Concept. and and it it lasted for as long as it lasted. A bit of gain. It was toxic. It only had like two three pages, mm-hmm. um, but but uh, like per issue because toxic was was actually I think smaller than two thousand eighty. But but yeah, it was it it kind of had its run. It got big with some people. Um, some bands used it because he had um, martial law had fear and loathing 
written on his belt buckle. That's cool. And and that so the Hunter S. Thompson crew got heavily into that. And um, so yeah, but it was just so like tons of blood, really gross bits to it. So I think you know it, it wasn't. Some people got into it, but once the 90s really got rolling, it when the comics thing started dying out, as it did, uh, it kind of fell by the wayside pretty quickly, and people moved towards you know the safer sort of DC and Marvel stuff. And people forget that like Marvel absolutely filed for bankruptcy in 1996. They were pretty close to done by 1999, 2000, and they were just staying afloat with their licensing deals. So when people ask why, like. The the Fantastic Four and the X Men are at Fox and Spider Man's at Sony and why can't they all just be under one roof? Is because it was a fucking fire sale of intellectual property just to keep the damn lights on, and things were about to get really bad. Um, I think in '95 or '96 is when they bought, were bought by Toy Biz, so they were bought by a toy company, and that's how Ike Perlman got involved. And Ike Perlman was a guy nobody uh, seemed to like, and he just left Disney. In May of this year So when people ask about like The Inhumans and all these TV things that are wonky And how they didn't like the, the, some of the TV stuff From Marvel A lot of people are like oh because Ike Perlman was In competition with Kevin Feige On the film side And I Clearly was not happy about How much love you know, He wasn't getting credit for all the movies Kevin Feige was getting the credit But you know the movies are good uh, and some of the TV is not good. Yeah. Um, but that it's crazy how that all happened in that era, the mid-90s, where it was a darkish time for comics. Um, is that, I mean, did you transition to anything else? Like, as you were getting older, did you really get into PCs, or were you always into, like, PCs? Yeah, I mean, so, so my mom was, was uh, programming in the UK in the... Early fifties, so she was one what? of the f- yeah one of the few women um, in programming. How are you programming a typewriter? Well, no, this is card readers. This is like this is so. There's a there was two computers in the UK called Pegasus. They were the first um, UK computers, and you know Univac. And she when we when we moved to Canada, the company she worked for was um, was Sperry Univac, which was considered the first computer company mm-hmm. um, so she was she was heavily into it I mean like I uh, when we moved to Canada um, we would get time because she she was programming on these card readers when well, I mean, moved, what's a card reader like how is um, that different than a PC like <laughs> so so card readers you would program and this is actually how I learned to program mm-hmm. uh, because our computer spent their our, sorry our, our school spent their entire computer budget on the football team and not sure. on computers. Okay. So we had a card reader. And so there, it's a card, and then you would take a pen, and I think lo- like lottos work this way. As you, sure, you mark, you'd push a, would push, put a hole through it. Or, or mark it, mark okay. it off. Yeah. And so, and so, yeah, you could, put, you could put holes in it if you had a typewriter to do that, but sure. we wouldn't have access to that. You'd get a stack of cards, a box of cards, and... Um, and then you'd sit there and you'd mark them off, and you'd have a. a what pr- are you marking? Um, you're marking these cards. Yeah. And so you'd, you'd mark the cards off, and then you'd stick it in a card reader, and the card reader would go through, I don't know, a stack of, say, 300 cards. And from those 300 cards, you would have told it how to build a, um, an, address, an address file to which you could have a single card with somebody's address on it, and you could have, say, 10 cards, and it would then print 10 addresses on a label. 
or oh. you could have a hundred cards and it would print a hundred addresses. But that those three hundred cards would set it up so that it could print off everything. That was else. your program. That was your program. That's you, really annoying. You'd spend like two weeks working on that. Yeah, it was crazy annoying. Making so, sure that you were jotting the proper numbers on a card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sure I've killed everybody. So the anyway, the 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 point of this was that that when we moved to Canada, she wasn't she worked on that for the first year. Uh, but then she started working uh, at this other company um, at, at Sperry, and um, we got time to go in and play what was called, um, well, as the Star Trek game. And, um, and you were on terminals, and you'd see a star base, which was an asterisk, and you'd have like a, a dot with an equal sign beside it, and mm -hmm. that was the Enterprise. And then you'd come at the Klingons, and you'd have to like protect the star base. And, and, and the they're thing all is, made out of characters. They're yeah. all made out of literally typed characters. Yeah. And so you put the coordinates in on where you wanted to go, and you put the coordinates on where you want to fire, and then you'd wait five minutes. Because Whoa. you had to wait for a cycle, a single cycle, to do the thing that you wanted to hit. do, because everybody else was also using the computer at the same time. And they were, because we could only do this on weekends, if they were working on the weekend, like, you were screwed. You, you'd, so you, anyway, that's, that's how I spent my childhood. That's how I Car readers. <laughs> so when, when, when PCs came out, that was a big deal. So That's I was insane. all over it. That's insane. So you were into PCs. You're still into PCs. Yeah. Um, is that would that would you say that that's your geek of choice? Is it like PCs or is it more of the movies or is it comics? Like that's a hard one. Yeah. I don't know. You're uh, allowed one from here on out. No, okay. Okay. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. That's hard. Um, I, I guess I would go. Can I pick art? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 probably more of an art geek than I am anything else. But um, yeah, you've been drawing a lot. Like, yeah. like we you in in Geekscape, who are not on the Geekscape Forever Facebook page, go over there because Phil's been posting some of his uh, ink drawings on there, and they're pretty awesome. I have Thanks a new that. print uh, that I have to find a frame for. Compliments of Phil, and uh, I've you know I've always thought your art had like some level like energy to it, you know, and did you go to uh, school for drawing? I, I didn't. Um, in fact, in, in grade 10, I took a single art class, and, uh, and I hated it because they tell you how to draw a tree. Right. And I said, I'm not going to take an art class that tells me how to draw a tree. I'm going to figure out how to draw a tree. Well, you know, now I am as old as I am, and I'm just thinking, I really should have taken that art class that told me how to draw a tree because I don't know how to draw a tree. <laughs> well, when, I, when I see your artwork, what I like about it is that you're, that, like, things don't seem perfect. You know what I yeah. mean? Like like yeah. you drew a picture of me tonight and you were like, ah, oh, it doesn't really look like you. I'm like, yeah, but that's why you like it is because it has that, it has the energy of imperfection. Does that make sense? Like it, yeah. it hasn't been smoothed out. Yeah. And the, so the personality is still intact. I, I appreciate that. I, I've, I've worked out that the people who actually really like my stuff are tend to be artists. Yeah. Well, I don't <laughs> I find know. that funny. We'll see if we can consider me an artist, but it, so far, you know, I I like the artwork that you're posting on the up on the, the Facebook page. So I, I appreciate that, Go but you, I just want to say that that you saying you're not an artist, I strongly disagree because if you can put a, a picture together and you can say this this person should stand here and this person should stand here, and you can put together a shot, you're composing a shot. That yeah. that is art. I was doing that earlier today. Yeah. You're an artist. I was telling, yeah, I was, no, yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. I'm just being, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, my, it's my false Self humility. Self-deprecating, sure. False humility. Um, so where are, you, where are you going from here? Like, what is the, what's the next big thing on the horizon for you? Um, Satori, like what, like, what are your dreams? Oh, jeez. Um, what are you talking about? I, I, I think that the, 
closest thing I want to do, the next thing I really want to do is to get uh, some kind of art show going. But mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see <coughs> if that's in the, in the future for me. Um, and I keep having ideas that, grandiose ideas that maybe I will try and do some kind of comic, but I don't know. Sure. I don't know if that'll happen either. It's I've got you some ideas. Idea? Yeah, you have ideas. I have ideas. The problem is um, I don't do characters well. Just write them down. You can yeah. always collaborate. Yeah, well, that's it. I think that's it. I need to find somebody that I'm... No, I, write that stuff down. Have you written anything down yeah. that's in your head? Write yeah, it all I've down. Got, I've, got like, I've got a couple of books of, of this one particular idea, and... I've, I've talked it out with a guy who's, uh, in theory, I mean, I haven't read any sure. of his stuff, but I hear from friends that he's a pretty good writer. Mm -hmm. I, I walked him through it, and then I didn't hear anything back from oh, him. Oh, no. So I don't think he's into it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he may just be like, yeah. Um, well, that I can't wait for your comic book to come out. Thanks, buddy. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> well, you, um, do you, what's, his, what's Michael's last name? Uh, there is a Geekscapist. Uh, and he works for. We'll, we'll talk later. Sure. But but yeah, but, yeah. but but um, but the cool thing about this geekscapist is that he now joined a company called Tapas, which is this app that for like manga online, and they've branched beyond manga. Like Andy Weir, who did the, wrote The Martian, uh, had an old book that is now being adopted uh, or adapted into a comic book. For this app Tapas, which you, you can just you can just swipe through the panels or through the pages and read a comic on your mobile phone or your you know your your computer or whatever you want, and uh, and I know that Michael came out of the Geekscape community is now their editor in chief. So wow, super That's proud fantastic. of it. But since you want to put out a comic, he might be worth talking to. Sure, That's all I'm saying. Yeah, That's where it came from. Geekscape scratching Geekscape. That would be yeah okay well we'll we'll definitely explore that I mean after seeing Space Riders which I love I've realized like the world's got a space for you know obtuse art sometimes right. and and that's okay if it's not quite what other comics are doing mm -hmm. so I'm going to ask you sure and I don't think I don't know I should have warned you so you could think about uh -uh. think on it what being a being a geekscapist who's been with us since pretty much the beginning. What is your favorite like thing about Geekscape? What is your favorite Geekscape memory? Oh damn! Yeah, yeah, you should <laughs> should have prepped you. Like, um, I don't know. I've got so many. There are like some really, really? wonderful um, points. Uh, I I love your coverage of um, of Comic Con. It's always great. Um, cool. Yeah, uh, you've had some great guests. Uh, Ian coming on, I, I've, I always enjoy. You like the specials? Oh yeah, those are okay. great. Okay. I, I kind of wish like like um, <clears throat> send a flare up. You don't you don't have to just talk about the Marvel stuff. You can and, and the other superhero stuff. We just published the. Oh oh, you wanted us to talk about Blade Runner. Well, maybe I don't think, a little bit. I don't think any of us are as cerebral as you are. So oh, we, come uh, on. <laughs> so I I mean Blade Runner was. I liked Blade Runner a lot. I liked the new Blade Runner a lot, but um, yeah, no, that it was with with Ian. I like his strength is the, like his dense knowledge of those superhero universes. Right. So going to him with those seems appropriate. I'm not uh, against opening up Geekscape specials that would cover things like Blade Runner or things that aren't necessarily the superhero comics that Ian knows so well. And I, I'm not a. I would open it up to other people. So that I'm like, hey, we're going to do a Geekscape special on this video game series. Yeah. 
uh, we're going to sit down with somebody who's a lifelong fan of the video game series and has an encyclopedic knowledge of it. So, if you subscribe to the Geeks Geek Games feed, I sat down with Josh and Adam when we talked over Zelda Breath of the Wild. That was before I realized that Josh had never beat a Zelda game before. What the hell was he doing on our Breath of the Wild special? He has no context. <laughs> That's me being a snob. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, I think specials are possible uh, with Beyond Ian. And maybe Ian, but Beyond our, those the superhero Marvel DC subject matter. We'll just see. Oh, yeah, I think we're doing a, a... Ian and I talked when we did the Justice League one. And I think we're going to do a Last Jedi one. Awesome. So that, that is Ian and I getting away from superheroes. Yeah. Um, going. And, and, and not to yeah. say that there's anything wrong with you guys talking about superheroes. I love that as well. It's kind of a, just a good excuse to hang out with Ian. Good. Yeah. Know. Keep doing um, that. We have those specials. Oh, man, you, you Geeks Games are getting spoiled. So you have the, the main Monday show from Westwood One coming up every week. And now I've got like specials that I'm doing for you guys. Uh, I still have to do the Punisher special, which will be coming up soon. I'm in the middle of that series. And then now you've got these Geekscape hang sessions with some of your favorite Geekscapists from the forums and from online. Uh, at uh, the Geekscape Forever Facebook page. I don't know what you want from me, Geekscapists, <laughs> but I'm going to keep making these podcasts. All I'm asking you all to do is go out there and tell your friends to subscribe and share it with anybody you think might enjoy this because we are not, you know, we're long in the tooth now. We've been at this a while. And um, if you could if you could share the episode, get people to subscribe in the same way that Phil went out on that Kevin Smith episode and was telling people how genius it was and how awesome it was or just how cool and fresh it was to have uh, people talk so candidly. Um, I please, 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 please would love it if you went out and did the same. Do some, do some tub thumping for me. Um, any last thoughts for the Geeks gave us? Um, I guess the only thing I would add is uh, Geekscape Forever is fantastic. Everybody should pop in there and post whatever you can think of. It's a great place to talk to people. You know, that's one of my favorite things about Geekscape was it's always been a great community of people, mm. and um, there, I, I love everybody in there. Uh, it's it's a good time, good even, conversations. Everyone, even, even Yanks. I'd like Yanks is great. Uh, I love Yanks. Um, uh, so it, I think I think the great thing is that people can have differing opinions. No one's really going to like jump on anybody else as long as we stay off the politics, maybe. Um, right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, th- I don't think anybody's going to jump on anybody else. Uh, it's just like you, you have a different opinion. I, we agree to disagree. You love saying that. Well, it's, I put it's it. The truth. I put it. <laughs> put it in. in Here the prophecy. Yeah. And the line is like. Like the line is like, okay, let's just agree to disagree, and the response to it is, oh, like the, like proud words from the defeated <laughs> or the cornered or something. It's like when you're cornered and defeated, that's when you say agree to disagree. So per- Otherwise, you keep fighting with tooth and nail. Perhaps it's the Canadian in me. I want to be a little conciliatory. Sure, I get that. I get that. And uh, and you're one of the most polite geekscapists. I love having you in the community. I love having you on the show. I hope the Geekscapers love getting to know you on their morning drives or whenever they're listening to this um, because you are very representative of what, why I keep doing this and what I think uh, is, I mean, you're a huge member of the community and, I, and, and that's what drives me to keep doing this, seeing that there's a community there for it and that you, you all are taking care of each other. So Geekscapist, this is Phil, a.k.a. Satori, and we're hanging out with him. 
There will be more Geekscape hang sessions and more Geekscape episodes on the feed. Again, tell your friends about it. Um, I hope you enjoy the rest of your trip to California. Thanks, man. It's been great. <laughs> Thanks Ge- for hanging out. Of course, of course. Geekscape is, find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, uh, all that stuff. And you can, uh, and what are you on Twitter? On Twitter, I am at Satori3000. So S-A-T-O-R-I, the number 3000. And I think on Instagram as well. Uh, yes. Yeah, so... That's how you find them on the socials. And, of course, you can find them at the Geekscape Forever page uh, in the group, the Geekscape Forever group on Facebook. Geekscapists, we'll talk to you on the next episode. Love you.